right, so we got. Uh, Can you we're definitely me? picking up noise. We're at a stadium, Jesse. We are at a stadium. <laughs> okay, but I will say that I am Jesse from the internet, and you are. I'm New York State Senator Jessica Ramos. And we are doing Pot at the Park tonight. That was seamless. You are a natural at this. And I've already, before we even started the episode, um, offered you a, a job as one of our future co-hosts. I'm sure that all of us... Um, I've always interviewed well, you know? ...will agree for that. You're a politician. I suppose I am. I have been for the past five years, which is kind of crazy uh, for me to still contend with. But here we are. Although, you, I, I did look this up because I am a former journalist, and now I am whatever this is. <laughs> um, I did look up your, your election results just to, you know, see what what the history was and to ask, you know, what it's like running these races. You were uncontested after having run a contentious primary the, the first time around to, you know, um, the Oh! Are we allowed to curse on this podcast? We, we I absolutely uh, are. Okay, and good. I'm, my I'm, I'm, I'm a good, you know I'm a good union girl, so it's yes. going um, to fly. Yeah, we got the OMT at that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so, yes, Pete Alonso is just... It's, uh, as we speak, it is 0-0 in the fourth inning. Uh, Pete Alonso's had that in the Mets-Dodgers game on today. is oh, it's Bastille Day. Guillotines for everybody. Would you say that he's the best, best Mets player right now? I mean, he makes me really happy. Every time he comes out and full of hope. He just popped up to... I know. Second baseman Mookie Betts, which is certainly a choice for the Dodgers. I know that it's still early in in the game, but it's clear that the boys are hitting balls today, and that's all we can ever ask for. Some of them are going to land, some of them are not. But here we are. So, I have to ask you, you are the state senator for this. I am the state senator for Where Where we are right now. Incredible. Incredible for, for, you know... uh, a girl who, you know, was born in Elmhurst Hospital, grew up in this uh, corner of Queens, certainly grew up loving coming to the to, to Mets games, um, especially because my parents are, you know, Colombian immigrants who mm-hmm. have no real relationship with baseball at all. Um, but uh, I've grown to love baseball and, and the Mets. I've been a, a diehard Mets fan since ever I can remember. And... I have not had the chance to vote for you because I do not live in your district. But we are watching right now uh, several people that I have voted for. Um, <laughs> That's funny. And I, I would like to know what will it take to uh, get Pete Alonso a civil court judgeship? And, and also, why do we vote for judges? Well, uh, we don't vote for all judges. Let's start there. Some judges are appointed. Other judges are elected. Um, the more local judges are, are usually the ones that are elected. Hold on. Uh, thanks. That looks good. Um, listen, I'm a sausage and pepper sign up a girl, too. Um, not all of them are elected. Some of them are appointed. Um, when it comes to Queens County, to County Civil Court, uh, to County Supreme Court, 
those are the elected positions. Uh, criminal court and a lot of the others are largely appointed. Um, why is, I mean, I wish we could vote for all of them, quite honestly. I don't necessarily think that, for example, something as, as important as public safety, right, in criminal court should be left to the whims of, you know, political trends, um, but rather always the will of the people, uh, directly. Um, so why do we vote for them? Well, those are the rules. Um, and I think it's really important that we actually pay much more attention to them because even though my job is obviously really impactful in writing laws, well, they're the ones enforcing them. They're the ones who see the most vulnerable New Yorkers come up to their bench every day. They have the big responsibility in making decisions and determining the consequences for that person and their family. Um, and that's really what may or may not cost positivism or, um, you know, entrenched uh, hate in civil, in civil cases. So, I, I, I actually wish more people paid attention to, to judicial races. I, I feel like paying attention to it, at least when I show up, because the races aren't much because it's so much of the time, it's somebody who's running as both a Democrat and a Republican, and that's why I write Mark Kenna's name on the ballot, because I'm like, Oh, that's fantastic. What, what is this nonsense? Okay. Who are those people? So, that, I actually, I think that that is starting to end, the kind of being uh, appointed by both parties. Just given the natural polarization of the parties right now, Democratic voters don't want to vote for a judge that is also running on the Republican and or conservative party lines. Um, and that's honestly something I, that I, I greatly welcome. But one thing to remember, and I think a big reason why people are so disengaged from judicial races, is simply the fact that lawyers are not politicians and don't necessarily know how to uh, be a politician very well. Um, they might have the charisma and, 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 and like people and, and want to talk to people, but won't necessarily know how to run a camp, a traditional campaign in what, in what we know that politicians uh, do. So that's always a challenge. I, I, I have become a lot more involved in judicial races here in Queens. Uh, you know, I'm a Colombian American uh, woman born and raised in the district that I represent. I want to make sure that the people on the bench are people I trust and that my community trusts. So I, I do everything from knocking on doors, um, trying to, to fill the pipeline with new, new types of candidates, diverse type of candidates, not just in terms of ethnicity, but always also just in terms of experience, right? Not just prosecutorial prosecutorial experience, but also, you know, uh, more public defenders, for example, or defense attorneys. So all of that stuff is really, really important. Um, but interesting that you write Marcana. I usually write in my mom. Do you write in my your mom. mom's actual name, when I don't, or do when, you write when my I, mom? No, 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 I write my mom's, uh, should I admit that on the podcast? That people are no, gonna, I mean, like, that's... Google my mom. Um, That's absolutely fine because no, some of these. I mean, I have voted. Uh, I have voted for my wife. She has voted for me. Um, <laughs> That's great. We have voted for people that we know. I have written on Bullets Pen about um, voting for my late friend who worked in the Queens DA's office that I went to went to school with, Bradley Chain, um, who was also a huge Mets fan. Grew up in Forest Hills and commuted to school in Brooklyn every freaking day. Oh, that must day. have been painful. Um, 
also a Jets fan. Interboro so. Express, let's go! Yeah! Also, get out of play. Oh! Thank you. Um. you know, but, but I mean, that sitting there is not, you know, usually an easy place to get a foul ball. It kind of curved a little bit there. Yeah. We are we are sitting here in the outfield, and I'm I'm curious where your preferred seats in you actually already yeah, said this yeah. before, yes. so I can't tell. No, a lot that's here. okay. Uh, I I'm, I prefer you know for the listening public. I am a uh, second base line kind of girl, which I suppose we're kind of at that line. We are, but on, but the, on the outfield. We're, we're, we're in the outfield, right, we're not the infield. Right at where you yeah. would want to be yeah, sitting. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 where, where I usually sit. But I do like, but I do like um, getting to see the stadium from different perspectives. That, that is the, the, the one issue that I have with our seats here. Um, as this is the season premiere of, of Pot at the Park for 2023, and, um, well, no, because, yeah, last one was Pot at the Subway um, with, with Janice. Um, as we are here, like, I feel like missing out on the scoreboard. Like, they could have said something about, like, we're going to build a huge scoreboard next year. You're going to want to see it. I mean, that's fine. But also, let's talk about ratios of screens for a second, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I- well, right now, there's uh, some... Obstruct- we have the obstructed view uh, right now. Please, uh, full of that. But, 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 but please, please proceed to see how there's a big, fungus, amazing screen. Mm-hmm. And then there are two more screens. Tiny little right field screen. We're gonna, we're gonna watch some bloopers though. Yeah. Now I'm curious to know are these seats cheaper than the, the other ones over there because of the access to the screen? I'm curious. I don't think that these were necessary. I, there, I have no it's idea. It's a different section. It's a weird thing. There's not really. I guess the equivalent in right would be like behind the right field corner, but there you have a better view of that screen. So maybe that's. Uh, that's where we big, go next year. It's weird that the big screen is not for the outfield. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe we, we go upper deck uh, yeah. next season. Um, also, not necessarily expecting Mark Hanna to remain. Um, he was one of the reasons that, that we bought the seats, was to cheer on uh, the, the dude who has been Cool enough to put on our T-shirt two years in a row, so we like that. Great, seems like a great guy, right? Great personality. Yeah, um, I, you know, he was a guy that I was covering baseball, uh, you know, seven years ago, and the A's were in town, um, and I already had a relationship with Sean Doolittle. Um, I don't know, it was seven years ago. It was at some point that I was covering baseball. Um, and Canada do a little run the A's, and I asked I asked John Doolittle like who were other good people to talk to about like interesting things away from the ballpark, and he he tipped me off early that that Mark Canna was a big food guy, um, and I've been been a fan ever since. Like I talked to him that day, he was cool, um, told me about some restaurants that he had been to, so I've loved yeah. seeing him dive in. Has has he been seen in 13? He he I mean, he been, is right now. He has not only been seen in 13, he's been seen on my block. He actually uh, went to eat at Seva Seva, which is, you know, a very uh, uh, 
popular Colombian bakery on 37th Avenue and 80th Street in Jackson Heights, um, which is pretty cool. I, I can say he was on my block. I just wish somebody would we can't say that yet. Huh? We can't say that yet. We gotta, we gotta work on that. We gotta get him on our blog. Can you help us get him on? Our blog? I don't know. <laughs> is is that like of of the various things about being a state senator? Like you get to do like metsy things that your colleagues do not. Like, do you in the other arena stadium? Like who's who's the person in the uh, in the Buffalo State in the downtown Buffalo district? Uh, well, for starters, Governor Hochul is building a whole new stadium I... with their taxpayer dollars. <laughs> That's why I said Sabres. I did not. Say <laughs> Jim Woo! See, we talked about Mason. Great sliding catch. Love this guy. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, We're, we're going to pay for a stadium for Terry Pagula and his other team. Um, it's true. We don't have a lot of choice in it, but it's... It's... Why don't we have a lot of choice in it? Hmm. Well, I think the story of the New York State budget is a little long. For the podcast, but I'll try to make it quick. (laughs) New York State budget is due April 1st every year, and you know, she really, really wanted this to get done. Uh, She, you know, brought it down to the wire, uh, had us, you know, up late at night, Um, and when that happens, we actually get very little time to read everything um, before, and much less our staff, to vote on it. Um, It all happens in the middle of the night, so to speak. Um, and, you know, she's the governor. She has an outsized power over the New York State budget. This actually comes out of a lawsuit called Silver v. Pataki. Uh, Pataki being, uh, you know, the, the, the last uh, Republican governor that we've had. And uh, Silver, as in Shelley Silver, uh, the former Speaker of the New York State Assembly, um, they had a big disagreement. way back when and uh, the result was a decision that put the vast majority of the negotiating cards uh, in the governor's hand and it's unfortunate but um, you know we we need a better balance of 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 our checks and balances yeah I would say so Um, we I could go on about a lot of different directions in, in that and complaining, and maybe we'll get to that Me too. another time, and perhaps off the record after we're done recording <laughs> this. Having worked in, as a government contractor for the last 11 months, a thing that I have learned is like how many insane layers there are to everything that needs to happen to make the slightest bit of motion and progress. And I can tell that you have a ton of energy like to be able to like and that's part of how you're able to do this and get up and go to work every day when 
Albany is, like, among state legislatures, I think, a notorious clusterfuck. <laughs> I don't think, like, and I don't think that's really, like, it's on a top five list of some kind. Like, New York State is messed up in the way that we do things. And, but, like, how, how do you deal with, like, that you're, you are under the big D Democratic tent, but somebody with whom you are, and obviously one of the differences between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party is the ability to con- criticize the person in charge. Absolutely. But how do you deal with that when it's like, oh my goodness, like, and, and more, I think, to the point, how do you get across the message, for instance, that, like, to people that, I'm, I'm thinking of my parents in particular, um, but people who, who need to be convinced that, like, more cops is not necessarily the answer to every single problem that we have. How, how do you do that? Well, you have to talk to people. You know, there is a lot for me to say there, to be honest with you. Um, there are very many different layers of government, and I think as an elected official, we, of course, get to choose how we express our political views, who we associate ourselves with, um, the rhetoric that we choose to do, and obviously the agenda that we actually do enact, the bills that we introduce, uh, the bills that we prioritize, how we campaign to get those bills passed. Um, and, you know, for for example, I'm one of 63 senators, right? And, and I have tried to figure out how to be my most authentic self while carving my own lane uh, so that I can give light to the issues that are more important to me. So, for example, to me, from an early age, something that was really important just was enacting the war on poverty. You know, I've always just detested, abhorred poverty. I, 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 I couldn't understand as a little kid why some kids that I would see in the street had to beg for money and I couldn't, and I didn't have to. Um, and, and my dad started teaching me from a very young age and I was very lucky to have born have been born to parents who were civically engaged already. Um, but that allowed me to open my eyes for a long time and also be able to see how it is that I play within the realm, in the arena, if you will, with all of the other elected officials. And for me, it really is just about prioritizing my neighborhood um, and, and the people that I meet every day, the people that I've known my whole life. Um, yeah, I didn't move into a district to run for office. I, um, I, I, I'm the chair of the Labor Committee in the State Senate, having worked in the labor movement for a long time. Um, the things that I talk about are not only based on my own lived experiences personally, but those, the, those stories that I know from my neighbors and the workers or union members that I have served. Um, so... To me, when when there are big issues that come up, uh, that's really where I operate from. It's it's my people first or nothing. I appreciate that. I also 
wonder how you feel that passionately, and then maybe maybe it's more of a question of like, how do you not lose your shit on some of these people? Who said I don't? <laughs> I mean, I would actually I would actually say some people would argue I do too much. Um, you know. We're gonna lose our shit on the Mets, by the way, with the bases loaded. I, I that helping. Justin Verlander, kind of <laughs> That's not helping. I mean, look, I, I, I kind of do lose my shit. You know, I lost my shit yesterday when uh, we had a press conference with the Carpenters because the New York City Empire Development Corporation is not keeping its word on what's going to be built right here across the street in terms of the soccer stadium and more importantly the affordable housing and school that had been announced and promised across Tom Seaver Way um, in Willits Point, right? Which has been barren and, and we've been waiting for a long time to, uh, to see some growth there. Um, and when it was announced, when I was briefed, certainly, we were all told that it was going to be 100% union. Now, all of a sudden, they're reneging on their plan, um, and they're not going to be uh, support, seen so far that they won't be supporting apprenticeship programs for our community. Uh, and that's a big problem. That's a big problem for our economy, our local economy. Um, never mind the fact that, you know, I've been begging the MTA actually take a look at an extension of uh, a train line along the Grand Central Parkway. are disappointing us once again at this point. We <laughs> are talking about Verlander. Oh, is Kate Upton here today? Oh, man. Uh, wow. Oh, man. If Kate Upton is here tonight, um, good. I hope she's having a bad time. <laughs> I mean, we certainly are. <laughs> I'm also obviously having a good time. And the, the seven extension down the Grand Central, this is, um, this is like my biggest pet thing in the world is like the idea that we should just take one lane each direction of every highway and make it a train. Wow. I mean... The right-of-way's already there. That's something to think about, for sure. Um, overall, I think, you know, my major point is that we're about to build a whole new neighborhood across the street from City Field, for better or worse. Yeah. You know, the right way or not. And on top of that, there's a certain someone proposing that a casino and other amenities be built in the City Field Parkway. Park, uh, parking lot, 
and um, it is clear that the 7 line is going to be much more overburdened than it already is. Remember that the 103rd Street Corona Plaza stop is actually the most popular station in the entire MTA system. So we are at capacity, largely, on our line. It never stopped, even throughout the pandemic. I mean, I never stopped taking the subway during the pandemic. You know, and the people who worked in places during ah, the pandemic are people uh -huh. who ride the 7 train. Yes, sir. Indeed. Needless to say, we need to figure out alternative means of transportation for people. So it... I think we're we're in for a very interesting uh, next decade or two in in terms of development in this area. I hope so. I mean, one of the things that I've worked on I mean, it, that actually comes into play here is the twenty year needs website for the MTA, um, and mostly just like hosting it. It's a whole bunch of other people who actually work on that stuff. Um, but learning stuff like the idea of the W train extension into Red Hook and. At the same time, I'm seeing like seven different projects that are like, how are any of these things ever going to actually happen and that better stay in the park? And it did. Mark Hanna with a good catch and a ball caught by a guy in a Brandon Nimmo shirt in the front row. Nice grab. Um, this guy's really loud. He might be like, he, he might be from Jackson Heights like me. <laughs> Astoria kids are, <laughs> are I, I have two of them and they are the loudest <laughs> Astoria kids are really loud I don't know what it is about us We can't help it I don't know, you know I mean, I'm Colombian But I grew up largely around Greek and Italian kids well, Some Irish kids And of course a few others from all over the world My, my kids are, are half Catholic and half Jewish So it's all, it's all coming through and with Something with in the water Yeah uh, <laughs> with, with that, but with all of that, like the, se the Second Avenue subway has actually opened within our lifetime, which is both oh my god something that I never thought we would see, and also is something like, that I never thought we would necessarily need, and has been a tremendous boondoggle. I mean. I don't want to get on my spiel about contract premiums and the MTA. I mean, I do have an entire data transparency bill that I've been pushing and trying to get in the budget for the last, I don't know, maybe three or four years. Um, so I have all sorts of opinions about this. Um, but it, it just it doesn't make sense, even, especially when you start talking to folks uh, who know about the Louvre and, uh, and other, um, you know, mass transit systems across the world in, in much more unionized places because, uh -huh. you know, people love to blame the price of labor. But sure. actually, that's not, that's not no. the case, really, in other, in other comparable places. Yeah, so, the notoriously transit-unheavy France. Andy Byford, I miss you. So does everybody at the MTA. That's right. Train Daddy forever.